0: Hello everyone, this is Tala with Reftor therapy Thank you so much for joining me tonight on another episode. And as always, I am very grateful for your support and for your company and continue to share to those people that might need this information. It's a good deed. Alright, it's been a minute since I actually published an episode, so I've been actually thinking about this, and I recorded it a couple of times, and I didn't like the way it sounded, so as you always know about me, I probably, or you may not, I probably go through two or three recordings before I fall in love, or at least feel this gut feeling like this is the information that needs to come out. I don't know how to explain it, but it's a gut feeling. So... I think I'm I'm ready. I think I feel it in my belly. <laughs> uh, okay. So today's topic is on immature anger. And why I'm saying it like that is because anger, in general, is not a, a bad thing. Commonly in our society, we think anger is bad. But it isn't. It isn't. It's a natural feeling to have. It's a natural emotion that humans have. And we need anger. We need anger to be able to act as a catalyst to move us from places that uh, are not good for us. For example, if my husband's beating me, I need to get angry enough to move and leave him. If I am at work and I'm unhappy with the conditions, my anger helps me work through what I need to do next. It's, again, it's a catalyst for change, so it's not a bad thing. However, what I'm talking about specifically when it comes to immature anger is this overreactive, impulsive I just said something I sh- I can't take back, uh, kind of anger like I created chaos when there was no reason to do so. That kind of anger, it doesn't solve problems. Rather, it's the kind of anger that creates problems. You see the difference. So before I was talking about anger, and anger as again is, is a catalyst for change. So it can solve problems, but. When it's immature, it does not solve problems. It creates more problems. But to understand anger better, we got to consider the physiology of anger, the chemistry of anger, what happens to our bodies and our brain. So I'm going to give you a quick physiology 101. (laughs) So this way you guys know what you're dealing with. The part of our brain that's in charge of experiencing anger is the same part, probably understandably so that is in charge of fear, or where you see fear is activated. Both of which help us produce chemical responses, or specifically hormones and neurotransmitters by the brain, and chemical responses such as uh, an epinephrine or adrenaline by the adrenal glands. At that time, those help promote what we know as fight-or-flight response. Now, what I really want you to know about this information is that when you are activating the stress response in your body, the fight or flight response, its role is to take front and center in your own perception. It's supposed to be this very strong influence in your perception. It's meant to do that to save your life, right? Because if a tiger is coming at me, I want to be able to run and I don't want to be relaxed when I see a tiger. And because of its intense chemical response in our body, it is going to override what we know as the cortex. Specifically, what the area that's in charge of executive functioning or our judgment making, our decision making, our impulse control, which is right there in the frontal lobe, like right there on your forehead. So it is anger and fear and this production of the stress hormones or fight or flight response is meant to override the cortex for the moment that you need to do so. So it serves a purpose. But you need to understand that naturally, when we are feeling anger, our common natural primitive response is to respond to anger (laughs) like it's real. Uh, But controlling anger or being able to grow in your ability to See beyond the chemistry of fear and anger and use the logical part of the brain, the cortex, the judgment part of the brain requires us to practice because it goes against our chemistry. So some people say, oh my God, how do you, how do you know how to deal with anger so well? And, and this is not, (laughs) this is not something that is based on a person's trait per se. It's actually very much practiced. Very much practiced because naturally, like I said, we want to react impulsively on anger. It's meant to do that. It's meant to, when we're angry, to focus only on the anger. It narrows our actual focus. The chemistry and our neurotransmitters narrow the focus for us. So we only focus on this anger (laughs) and it gets perpetuated as we do so. So we have to train our brain to understand anger and see it and acknowledge that it's there, but understand that it's not the truth. Just because I feel its intensity does not make it more truthful than any other feeling or a neutral stimuli. Okay. So anger is going to be in the center of my vision and I have to discipline my brain and help it mature in growth in not responding to the anger as it being real. I don't want to solve my problems being driven or motivated by anger. Now, if you don't have practice in this thing, if you haven't learned to control that or discipline your brain in understanding anger and fear better, you are you tend to be more motivated by that, by fear and anger. You tend to ride it out like it's real. And that's where the anxious brain comes in. That's where the immature, almost immature anger and immature ways of behaving comes in. That's what really it means. It means that you have a very undisciplined way of dealing with life, or specifically with your brain, with your anger. Okay, I hope that makes sense and why I needed to say that, because I want to further explain that this immature anger that we have really has roots in certain themes in our life. When I see a person that easily can go to anger and act out on it, there are some triggers that are unresolved issues or how do I say it? Issues that show how immature you are with your anger. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to identify those themes and they're really, I put like it's a two and a half themes. But when I speak on them, you'll understand why they're immature and the response looks really Outlandish. It's just wild. And it's hard to come back once you act this way. You're going to get this reputation that you're a hothead. You're going to get this wild thing going on that, uh, you just have a temper and, and people can't be around you. And that's how they talk about you. Like, oh, we have to walk around you like we're walking on eggshells kind of thing. Okay. So if you know someone or if you do have that trait yourself, this is really a good, episode for you because uh, we're going to, if you're working with a therapist, this is a good idea to identify those issues yourself so you would know and be able to talk about them with your therapist and process them properly or we'll process them with yourself. If you're honest with yourself, I think that's a great, great thing. The first theme that is really an undertone for a lot of immature, angry responses is authority issues or issues with authority. What I mean by that is a person that acts out at work. They usually respond poorly to feedback from anyone. They're the ones that kind of talk like crap about their boss and they will tear them down to shreds and they'll compare themselves to other people and usually they walk out of jobs. What else? It's, it's, it's an overkill. It's an overkill. They just can't take feedback. They get very offended and very defensive. When it comes to being told to do something, it's overkill, and they usually blame other people for it. Like they, they present themselves as a victim in this case, and, and they have a really great justification that they think that it's great. It resembles, uh, oh, this person uh, was rude to me in the way they talk to me. They're belittling me. Uh, just, just have a hard time with authority. So when we try to resolve this issue. We have, we have to get these issues in check. We have to identify them in ourselves. If I'm walking out of every job and I can't keep a job for long enough and I have problems with people telling me what to do, I got to look at what kind of parents I grew up with. Did I make a pact somewhere along the line where I'm not going to have anybody tell me what to do anymore? And I started to build up a defense towards authorities. Maybe a parent was very rigid, opinionated, judgmental, and they imposed their beliefs on you. The result of that could definitely be a problem with authority. Definitely. It's a form of rebellion. But again, it's not a mature one. It's doesn't make sense because you've been safe for many years and your need to rebel and defend yourself is not necessary. There is no threat there is no threat. So we have to override this fear or anger in order for us to sit with ourselves and sit and hear feedback and understand that the person that we're responding to is not who we're really angry at, is not who we really want to rebel against. They just are a symbol. And your thought process about authority had started long, long, long before you began to work in the workforce. Okay. So we don't want to impose our anger and think we're justified to throw our anger at people, especially when they are doing their job. Supervisors, I think, have it hard enough. Imagine with angry people that have problems with authority. Oh my God. They'll never start, they'll never stop fighting. And, you know, it'll be crazy. It'll be crazy. So, uh, this is one thing we need to grow out of this authority issue business. The next one I think that really shows or demonstrates immature anger is in the inferiority complex. And this is the kind of person that compares themselves quite severely to other people, puts themselves higher to them, uh, becomes very angry once again and defensive when they're told that they need to fix something. Uh, it, it hits them to the core. It hurts them to the core. There is no balance in these extremes. It's just an extreme feeling that you are inferior. There's funky ways that it's, it, this is going to come out, whether I'm with my partner or at work. It's going to play out or manifest in ways that result in extreme anger. I feel like I'm less than worthless. And let's say you bring my coffee to my table cold, I am going to take it personal. I'm going to yell at you, call in the manager. I'm going to pretend that I saw some expression on your face that means something about my identity. Like, This person thinks that I don't matter and that's, and she treated other people differently and she brought their food and their coffee out good. Why didn't she do it for me? And this is, this nasty inferiority complex is playing out in my head, right? I'm really at this point telling uh, off a, a, a waitress about getting angry with them. Like it's just coffee, but I'm getting angry with them and it's personal, it's it's overkill for me emotionally. It's personal because I guess all of a sudden this, this waitress is in charge of my uh, worth, my self-worth and my value. <laughs> the poor waitress only brought coffee. Uh, that's all you ordered, but apparently you're gonna give her the an extra tip <laughs> that she doesn't need. So again, overkill overkill immature anger I don't want to be reactive to people that that are just doing a job that are strangers to me I don't want to create stories about them and go into how they think I don't matter or I'm worthless. Very common too, like at the doctor's office, people become very offended uh, waiting in the in the lobby and they go and they really, you know, just kind of yell out like basically, I matter. This is like the way of saying I matter, but all they're saying, well, I need to speak to a manager. I want to go in there. I've waited for an hour. I blah, blah, blah. And they just become rude to the people in the front and not knowing that they have nothing to do with it. That they're kind of the messengers, but they're taking it out on the wrong person. And it really stems from inferiority. It really does. It stems from the belief that somehow you acquired the belief uh, somewhere in your life that you do not matter. Your opinions don't matter. Your humanity doesn't matter. Your thoughts don't matter. You, that's the impression you got. And let me tell you, folks, this started In childhood. It started in childhood and it just kept on. And people have been paying for it ever since. People that don't deserve it have been paying for it ever since. This is an immature way to deal with anger. All right, the final theme of anger that I have really deals with the other two. But this is, I I wanted to put it in a separate kind of slot because it's a specific thing. So, a theme would, this theme is, is paranoia or specifically viewing other people with suspicion. You already have judgments about other people and you perceive people as a threat. Uh, and this comes from, again, it didn't start overnight, friends. You're not like born into the, into adulthood just, and, and just keep going. No, we, we were born and we had a childhood and we had experiences that were first experiences and very, important in our development, very important in our development. So looking at people with suspicion entices the anger process. It exasperates it because I already have a judgment about you. I already am looking for, psychologically, I'm reinforcing and looking for you Somehow are going to do me wrong. It's immature. It's an immature way to look at people, immature, immature way to deal with people. And you shut goodness and badness out. So it doesn't serve you in the long run. And it makes it difficult to work with people. It makes it difficult to give people a chance and to trust people it makes it difficult to emotionally meet that need of connecting with another person because you cannot trust them. You see them automatically suspiciously. You have a lot of judgments already on there. And you think they're true. Most of them are fears. Like they're You say things like, or you might say things like, uh, I don't trust no one. And you're so proud to say that. I don't trust no one. They have to earn my trust. Or things like, people have done me wrong and sometimes we say I'm about genders like all oh, men are dogs and all oh, women are i don't know a bunch of infidels i don't know <laughs> i don't know what to say but yeah yeah all this is nonsense all this is nonsense it's it's childish it's childish because it doesn't contribute to humanity or your self development in any freaking way let me make that clear anyway at all It does not. It shuts down your growth. We need new experiences. We need new people. We need the interaction and input of new people as a way to teach us. If we stop and shut down any new experiences and become unteachable, we don't grow. Period. We don't grow. I can't walk around being defensive and think that I'm going to become this great person. I'm going to enjoy life. All you're going to produce is stress response. All day, every day. And when you're producing the stress response, what you're not producing is the relaxation response. One is inhibiting the other in its production. So you are fucking yourself up for life, for life. Because when you are producing stress response continuously, your body is not meant to do that. It's not meant to do that. So we'll end up responding in ways and manifesting in ways Medically that you will not like, like stomach problems, tension, headaches, uh, difficulty sleeping, difficulty uh, breathing, uh, anything. A- anything can lead to any stress and impact on your body as you're producing stress hormones all day long, every day, with threats that aren't even there. What you're doing is placing more pressure on your body, on your organs. It is not helping you heal It is not helping you heal. You need to relax in order to heal. And you cannot heal if you are stressed. (laughs) You have to practice and discipline your brain to remain comfortably in the relaxed state or the relaxed response. So I hope that helps a little bit with that. Another way that I think anger kind of shows its head in an immature manner is in the inability to control or surrender Something, okay, it's like this person that wants to be right <laughs> like I gotta I gotta be right it also comes with the inferiority complex as well, so that's I gotta be right I can't i got I gotta be a perfectionist, I can't surrender anything. I just hold on to things and then control, control, control. Um, it's really immature. it doesn't help us grow because a lot of the times we need to take risks to go to the unknown. And if we don't take risks, we don't grow. We'll just stay where we're at and what we're comfortable with. So I want you guys to look up anything you can about the concept of surrender. And I don't mean that biblically. It doesn't have to be a a, a specific religion attached to it. I want you to read whatever you could find about surrender. This concept will be psychologically relieving for you. I talk about it almost in every episode. Uh... When you surrender the control, you really are growing up. You don't need to know an outcome. You don't need to be right. You don't need to make things ha- make and force things to happen. Immature, immature. I don't need to know what my boss is going to talk about tomorrow when she calls me in. I just need to surrender. I'll know when I get there, I guess. That's what I say. I'll know when I get there. I don't need to know and sit there and worry and pretend to, you know, and eventually become irritable, take it on other people and it will show up as anger, irritability, okay? Immature. And when things don't go my way, I will throw a tantrum and it will look like a toddler's tantrum. It would look like it. So when things don't come out my way, I will complain about them. I will let everybody know. I just wouldn't know how to shut the hell up. I'll just keep going. I'll keep going and telling everybody it's immature, immature. And I look uh ridiculous. I want us to grow out of it. I hope I made it sound so terrible <laughs> that we have no choice but to, f- to grow the heck out of it. It is hard to experience that. Control is a perceived control in psychology. It's not actual control. We call it perceived. You think you have control over, but it also goes with what you don't have control over. You need to release or set free that's what we need to do. That's, that's maturity. All right. A very important part of controlling anger or growing up starts with the brain, specifically with your mind and how you talk to yourself. If the core is rotten, if you sound like junk about you and how you talk to yourself and how you correct yourself inside your head, what's going to come out is about the same, about the same. It's going to sound exactly the same. So if you're not patient with yourself. If you're not compassionate with yourself, if you're not kind with yourself and forgiving, what's going to come out is basically whatever you have in there. You cannot give what you don't have. It's impossible. So please understand. I don't care how sneaky you are when thinking like, Oh, I'm really helping this person. But when you're really angry on the inside, go ahead and just don't lie to yourself. You're not, you're not, you're not. You have to clean house before you're able to give what you have. Okay. So there's no nice way to sugarcoat it. I need you to work on you. I don't need you to help other people. I need you to work on your anger, your growth, your development before you even can help anybody else or even begin to help anybody else. That is basically the truth not lying to you. So self-talk, and this is what I call the parent inside my head. What does my parent sound like? Do they sound like the parents I used to have? Do they use guilt and shame to correct me? Which usually are immobile states of being. That means I cannot move forward when I'm shaming and guilting myself. There's no solution that comes after that. I just keep doing it. So I want to be able to have a self-talk in there that encourages, that empowers me, that inspires me, that forgives me, that's gentle with me, that's nurturing to me. I live with myself all day long. It needs to sound beautiful, especially on the rough days, especially. Uh. Finally, there's two things I, I put down that want you to start working on when you are working on your anger. Your brain has to be exercised to expand beyond what it already does. So we have to exercise new pathways of thinking. By doing that, what, we're going to be able to feel comfortable with new kinds of thoughts that we did not feel comfortable with before. So one of the things that I, I'm going to ask you to do is to visualize. visualize. Visualize what you want to look like when you're dealing with people that are difficult. When you're dealing with people that offend you when you begin to want to respond to someone uh, who brought your coffee cold, what would you like to do? Imagine yourself. Visualize yourself. Take yourself to the place. Put on that suit and get comfortable in it. That's what, that's what we need to do. That's what grown-ups do. We imagine and go beyond what just is, what we're just comfortable doing. Go ahead and visualize. Visualize, visualize. Your brain needs that exercise. Because if your brain does not know where the hell to go... how is it going to get there? (laughs) How? What is it going to look like? What command did you actually give it? So visualizing acts as a way to command your brain or walk your brain through different places that it does not usually find comfortable to go to. Because sometimes our anger is so effortless. We don't have to work hard at it. We just get angry. But when we want to get peaceful on the inside and we haven't done it consistently, it's hard. It's very difficult and challenging and and it takes some time to do. So you have to exercise so that muscle gets stronger and stronger and can easily and effortlessly go to those places that you need to go to get better, to get peaceful, to get satisfied, to get more contentment. So finally, after you visualize... I need you to find evidence now, intentionally, seek evidence and reinforcement from the world around you that there are people out there that are not threatened by everyone, that can deal with peace in a way that I think is the way that I want to deal with peace. I mean, I, I always have seen peaceful people around me and I just had judgments about them, but I was attracted to them. I was really attracted to what they had and I wanted it. And at one point, these people came to mind when I visualized what I wanted to be like. So when you're doing the research, look around you. Look around you with this new pair of eyeglasses, really intentional pair of eyeglasses, and see what you want to become and what is attractive to you, what looks peaceful to you. I remember, and I talk about this often, I remember seeing this movie called Office Space. (laughs) <laughs> and it's a great movie, and I think the only actress I remember in there is Jennifer Aniston. But it's a great movie. I don't I don't remember all the actress's na- actress name, but the movie was about this guy who who worked at this office, and everybody in the office is miserable. They're overworked. They're always told to stay late, and he's just so anxious and over worried all the time. And he's in that state, you know, that state that you see everybody around and like just just dismantled. And one day, I guess he gets hypnotized. I don't know when he does. I, f- I forget. Even though I've seen it plenty of times, I think it's not, these are not the interesting parts. The most interesting and fascinating part for me is that after he gets hypnotized, he goes back to work and he's a different person. He really stops worrying. I mean, at one point, it's pretty funny. At one point he, and this is my m- most vivid image of what I wanted to look like at work. <laughs> he takes out a a fish because he's gone fishing all day and he goes to the office takes out, takes out a fish starts filleting it in his office and because the view wasn't good enough in his cubicle he unscrews the the screws that keep the cubicle together and it falls and he just has a great view filleting the fish so funny love it but it was so powerful to me and when I think about what I wanted to be, when I went to work, I wanted to have that mentality of filleting a fish. I often say that. I often say that to people. I'm just filling a fish uh, because I, I, I love that visual. I really thought this was possible. And I can tell you today it's filleting a fish for me. <laughs> I, I wanted to know what the outcome looked like in order for me to achieve it. My brain needed to know and go to places that it hadn't gone before. Because once I looked at the outcome and I I saw that it was possible, even though it was in a movie, what I did afterwards was... It allowed, allowed my brain to do the work that it need to do to achieve this outcome. Your brain does not need a manual. It just needs to know what the outcome is, and it needs you to believe in it, and your brain will do the work. It doesn't need an instruction manual. Most people ask me, well, how do you do it? How do you do it? It's nonsense. It just, that question keeps you stuck, people. You don't need to worry about how you're doing it. Just look at an outcome and get inspired. Get inspired. Your brain will do the work. It'll know exactly what you need to do it. And I could tell you today, I have my own fish filleting situations all day at work, all day at work. It is not a problem. It is not chaos in my head. And it's certainly not chaos outside and everything is fixable, especially when I get feedback. I, I love getting feedback today because I'm like, okay, yeah, thank you. Thank you for, for giving me the feedback because you guys pay me. So in no way do I think you're against me. You pay me. How could you be against me? I have change thoughts that help me tremendously at keeping a job and hell, not just existing, but enjoying it and seeing rewards in it. It's a beautiful thing. (laughs) So I hope this has helped you guys on your journey to dealing with anger and maturing from certain types of anger or certain types of responses and themes that need to be processed with anger in order for us to grow and develop. So again, anger is not an anger is a natural response. And because of its primitive placement in our body and intense chemical response in our body, we will always view anger and fear first. It's meant to do that to help us survive, but it's not meant for us all day long to use as a way to motivate our responses or motivate our decision-making. Hell no, it's not. So please do not use it because you will not like it. It'll create more problems and solve a lot less. So I'm sending you guys so much love And happy belated Mother's Day, uh, to all the mothers out there. And you guys, this has been an episode of Drive Through Therapy.